0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Liebman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. <laughs> This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We start today with a scathing audit of the department that handles solid waste in the Portland metro region. Stories about radioactive waste and a hand grenade are hard to ignore, but the problems lie deeper. The audit of Metro's two transfer stations found systemic problems and a lack of basic management practices at the department that processes about 40% of the garbage generated by almost 2 million customers in Multnomah, Clackamas, and Washington counties. Brian Evans is Metro's elected auditor. He joins us to talk about what he uncovered after a year of digging. Welcome to the show. Thanks, David. It's good to be here. Can you give us a sense for the calls that came into your accountability hotline in 2020 and 2021?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, these are calls that are come into an accountability hotline, like you said. Um, this is an anonymous reporting system where uh, members of the public or employees can report concerns and received uh, a number of calls um, over the, actually the last three years kind of raising questions about various aspects of the transfer station operations, which is what generated our desire to look a little bit more systemically at um, what was going on in the various parts of um, the operations that were raised in the hotline concerns.
0: I imagine that... Uh- people could call in for a variety of, of reasons for all kinds of different departments, either the public or, or anonymous employees. How do you go from calls to a hotline like that and actually spending a year of your time doing an audit?
1: Yeah, it's a great question and one that um, I think elected auditors who run accountability hotlines are pretty used to working through. And so this is kind of that apply the um, right level of uh, attention when you receive these concerns. So when we first received concerns um, going back to 2020, they were relatively vague but concerning. And so with those, we start to dig a little bit and try to uncover um, what might be generating the concern, how accurate that information is. And then if it's something that looks like an uh, individual one-off issue, we might handle that off for personnel action to Metro's Human Resources Department or Office of Metro Attorney. When we see things that look like more systematic or systemic um, issues, then we consider putting uh, an audit on our schedule to look kind of more comprehensively at the entirety of the the policies and procedures that might be governing what's going on.
0: And that's obviously, that's what happened here. For people who haven't been to these transfer stations or who've just dropped off loads of, of trash and then didn't give it too much extra thought. Can you just describe these operations? Yeah,
1: I'd be happy to give you a little bit of uh, firsthand experience during the audit. Uh, I-, I toured both facilities, and then I've actually gone there uh, to Metro South in Oregon City as a customer several times, so kind of have it from both the auditor's brain and also just from the public service brain. Um, but, you know, just kind of an orientation is you pull up to a facility. Uh, there's usually someone directing traffic. You usually, um, at Metro Central, you'll go to the scale house. Metro Central is in the Northeast Industrial District of Portland. No,
0: uh, northeast or n- Northwest? Sorry,
1: Northwest. Thank you. I was like, wait, uh, I thought. I thought I'd been there many times, okay. Yes, so that facility is much bigger um, and it's relatively easier to navigate. So there's a pretty clear place where you stop at the scale house or you get directed to the household hazardous waste facility. And so those are the kind of two lanes you go to. Um, If you go to the scale house, you'll tell them what kind of material you're dropping off They'll weigh in to kind of get a sense of how much your car and your load uh, weighs when it comes in you'll be directed inside the building to dump materials And then when you leave you'll get weighed again to see what the difference is and you'll pay based on the material type If you go to the household hazardous waste facility um, you'll go in they'll um, Offload your material directly for you to avoid you kind of handling it and they'll take it safely uh, away from your car and um, you'll be free to go after that. Um, So the difference between the the Metro Central facility in Northwest uh, Portland versus the Oregon City um, facility, Metro South, is that the Metro South facility is much more space constrained. And so there's um, heavy trucks you know, moving big materials in and out. There's the commercial haulers are pulling in at the same place where the residential haulers are. And so there's a lot more um, need for traffic management and kind of making sure everybody's staying in their correct lane.
0: Everything you described is stuff that, that I've seen As just a a metro resident um, driving in, throwing the glass in this place, uh, the the wood here, the, the general trash here. But but what about after when when customers leave? What else do the people who work there do? It's a great question. Yeah, it's kind of behind the
1: scenes. Um, so uh, just for folks who may not be aware, at Metro South, when you drop off materials, if you're not at the Household Hazardous Waste Facility and you're a residential commercial customer, you'll be directed, and maybe a small load for commercial customers, you'll be directed into a building that has an open pit where you'll be back Asked to back up, dump your load, um, somebody will come and kind of look at what it's in there and if they think everything looks okay, they'll push it into um, a big pit and then um, kind of compact it into bigger loads that are loaded into semi-trucks. The same process happens at Metro Central, but um, there's no open pit there and so the material is just a flat concrete floor and then um, various bulldozers and heavy equipment will move that material uh, to the right staging area for, for transport off-site.
0: Let's turn to the results, starting with the physical or environmental safety questions. Can you tell us what happened when workers found a box of old medical supplies that that contained radioactive material? Yeah, my understanding
1: is that um, a customer dropped off these materials at the Metro-South Household Hazardous Waste Facility. Um, That facility at that time didn't have a radioactive sensor at that location. And so the employees pretty quickly recognized that it might be um, hazardous um, radioactive material. They took it up to the sensor to verify kind of how significant the levels were. It seemed like they recognized how serious um, the radiation levels were and started to immediately kind of separate that material protocols call for um, space and distance around radiation as the immediate mitigation. So you want to keep as way as possible and spend as little time um, next to very what they call hot material. That material was moved um, to the truck wash station, which is a relatively um, little trafficked part of the operation and the truck wash station was closed down as a result. They the next day or even later that day, um, from the information that we received, they called me- the Oregon State's has a resource called the Radiation Protective Services Department. Metro has a contract and an intergovernmental agreement with them. The next day, folks from that f- um, operation in the state of government, state of Oregon, came and inspected the material and um, suggested that uh, the material probably was not super. Uh, problematic from a health and safety standpoint, but they also were unwilling to take the material off-site. And I think that was something that, um, from our uh, look at the incident report, kind of gave pause to Metro management. It was they were getting some mixed signals about how seriously they should take um, you know, immediate action versus wait and see. And so they um, waited to see from the, the Oregon State response um, for several months. And then once they didn't get a definitive answer, started to pursue some of their own solutions because they were still concerned.
0: I mean, what should have happened? I, even as you're telling this story and as I read it earlier, I guess I, I still remain slightly confused about if Metro did something wrong here. No, I think you're
1: right. And I think that's part of the thing that we're trying to point out in this um, audit is that uh, safely handling these materials requires coordination and collaboration across different forms of regulatory environments. So the folks that are on site at Metro South, um, you know, there were some knowledgeable employees there who took that material and kind of did the safe thing. There was a a question, I think, from our incident reporting of how quickly that information should be relayed to other parts of the operation. and So I think that's always a concern when you see Um, uh, potential legal, financial, and health and safety risks of making sure that there's enough communication across the agency to get subject matter experts and kind of the right people involved in the decision making. So I think that's the part where it was a little unclear for us as auditors whether the right people were notified in the right time. Once that um, initial segregating of the material and kind of putting it aside, um, you know, that looks like it followed kind of the time and distance kind of protocols, Um, the question then remains what do you do when your partner agency or when you get a different response from the regulatory agency, whether it's a federal agency or a state agency, when you have ambiguous information about that, it really puts Metro in a tough position. Do you, um, you know, one solution would be take the very risk-averse approach and say we have to, you know, shut down this facility because we're unknown. The other is to say, we think we've done enough to mitigate the risk, and we're going to wait and see what we hear from the other regulatory
0: agencies. And then it seems that the the hand grenade, I can't even believe this is something that someone just drops off at a transfer station, but The story of the hand grenade intersects, at least in some way, with this radioactive waste. What happened?
1: And I think that's exactly, Dave, where you're right, is where that combination of things that we see as auditors start to get us worried, where maybe individual decision-making is completely appropriate, but when you start to have multiple risks piling up on the same facility, um, it becomes even more challenging to know the appropriate way to deal with it. And so in this instance, the material that I described previously, the radioactive material that was separated from the public and employed... Employees um, ended up being the place where in the emergency evacuation planning for that facility where um, employees are supposed to congregate. And so when this grenade came in um, in March of last yeah, March of last year, um, th- you know, employees are now congregating, um, luckily for only a short time, but they're congregating appropriately following the emergency plan close to this radioactive material. And so that was something that I think for us um, really raised our eyebrows of, even when things go relatively right in a very difficult situation, you might have some pretty significant risks that need attention. And, and I think space and distance, especially at South is really a challenge because of um, how constrained and busy that facility is.
0: You found a a shockingly high percentage of employees who didn't receive required annual training for dealing with various kinds of hazardous substances. 57% had not gotten asbestos awareness training last year. 97% uh, didn't get radiation safety training in 2022. But that is different to me than saying... Metro workers are not physically dealing with radioactive waste in a safe manner or they're not uh, uh, dealing with asbestos in a safe manner. This is about a lack of required annual training. Is, what did you find in terms of – did you find a connection between that lack of training in 2022 and, uh, and safety protocols being followed? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that one that's come up from
1: the Metro Council and Management as well, and so I appreciate the opportunity to explain that. It's really, for us, um, similar to what I described with the grenade and uh, the hazardous material is where you start to stack up kind of risks that are probably individually relatively small, but collectively could have a big effect. And so in this case, we see a a really challenging radiation incident coming, um, coming to the workers on site in December of 2021. And we see about a four-month period where they're trying to figure out what to deal with it. And we also see then in that same year, 2022, that employees on site are not receiving radiation training. And so another place where the um, coming out of the pandemic, we have kind of a mix of employees where we have very seasoned employees and then very new employees. And so we're wanting to make sure that um, everybody is getting the same training so that if that incident comes up again, that um, as long as, you know, it's not just relying on one or two people to know what to do, but everybody kind of is, is trained because it looks like those risks are, are more likely to come than not.
0: How big an impact did COVID have on everything that we're talking about? I bring this up because it's, it's an obvious question. It's also something that that management Mentioned in the very beginning of their response, and I'll read a, a paragraph in just a bit from them as we go, but but from Marisa Madrigal, the chief operating officer, as well as the head of the uh, Waste Prevention and Environmental Services, they mentioned the challenges of COVID early on. What did you find?
1: Yeah, that uh, another great opportunity for me and and us in the audit world to kind of explain where we're coming from on that situation. Where I think we see, um, you know, I've worked at Metro for you know since 2008, um, and so I've seen a lot of variation in the way that management responds to things. And you know, obviously, COVID puts an extreme pressure on folks like at the transfer station where the, the facilities are expected to remain open. You have kind of this. Um, Fragmentation of the workforce, where some people are expected to stay home, other people are expected to continue to their job as as normal, and so it really creates a challenge when you have these risks come up um, to make sure the right people know what's going on, and then the right level of kind of mitigating controls or or mitigating issues are coming on, and so I think. We purposely in this audit only looked at training records for 2022, recognizing that that was probably the first time that we could expect some level of normal training to have occurred. We rightly understood that, you know, 2020, 2021 is a place where there's a significant disruption and it's probably not realistic to expect that everything went right from a training's perspective. But by 2022, in combination with the specific um Uh, radiation incident makes us think, hey, we need to make sure that we're kind of putting the the training back into place in in the normal space, and now's an opportune time to keep that pressure on.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about safety and financial problems that we'll get to in a second at two transfer stations run by Metro. Brian Evans is Metro's elected auditor. He spent the last year looking into this waste department. I want to turn to financial questions, and after we talk about radiation and grenades, um, And you also outline some injuries that people who work at these stations have suffered. I can imagine financial questions seeming sort of less crucial, but you actually devote a fair amount of of time and energy to them. So what do you see as the most significant financial problems?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, you know, that's I think for most people when they think of audit, probably their their mind goes to financial risk and kind of a financial lens, and that's definitely something that we bring as performance auditors to this and then we're also trying to couch some of those financial aspects in the broader context of is Metro getting, you know, the the services or providing the services to the public that it said it would. In this situation, I think it's a uh, for specific to the financial risks we found here. It's a very similar um, maybe parallel or or pattern that we see where there's um, some good intent on paper and some good structures on paper. And then you have this disruption from COVID and kind of this um, long-term relationship with contractors that start to make it um, difficult to know kind of where it's time to say, stop, hey, we need to either adjust the contract or stop. We need to make sure that we're getting compliance with this contract. And so for things that are such critical services like garbage and recycling, um, there's a lot of money involved. And there's also a need to keep those um, public services going and so trying to find that right trade-off of where's Metro's risk tolerance from hey something's going wrong and we're gonna slowly kind of trying to correct it versus hey we need to kind of have a hard stop and say, hey, this is a place where we kind of say it's it's time to, to get tighten things up.
0: I want to read part of the response from management. And I should say that overall, they, which is not uncommon with, with these audits, they agreed with the vast majority of your, of your recommendations, and then they had some quibbles here and there about how they plan to implement your recommended changes, but they did say this early on. Most governments can go a long time without encountering the kinds of risks Metro manages each and every day at our transfer stations. The audit references a few of the more difficult scenarios we encounter, such as receipt of radioactive materials, explosives and other hazardous materials like asbestos. Metro takes the safety of our employees and our statutory responsibility to receive these materials seriously because our entire community is safer when these dangerous materials are quickly identified and disposed of properly. Nonetheless, your report identifies some critical deficiencies in training and contract oversight that my office, WPES, Finance and Regulatory Services, Information Technology, and Human Resources are committed to addressing with urgency. What do you make of the overall response for management? Yeah, thanks for that question.
1: Um, For us as auditors, it's always great when we have a responsive management and kind of a a management that doesn't try to find every flaw in our work or or try to find an explanation for every problem that happens, but really recognizes and I think that response really speaks to it, you know, the credibility of management in this space to say, hey, yes, we recognize very similar risks, we're doing our best, Um, things don't always go as as we would hope, um, especially during a global pandemic, and we're kind of committed. to to writing the ship. And so I really appreciate that from management. And then I think I'll go back to, you know, from the auditor brain and kind of the system, systems approach that auditors usually take is, it's really hard coming out of a global pandemic, I think, to know how quickly to ramp back up to, you know, the way things used to be or to adjust to the new normal. And so that could be, um, you know, employees with different experience or recognizing that different values and risks are are being treated differently now in in the post-pandemic world. And so this is really a call to action, I think, from the auditor's office to say, hey, um, we think there's good intent here, and we're trying to make sure we're keeping the pressure on to think not only on the short-term risks and the possibility that um, small decisions could add up to have big effects, and then also to look past the horizon and say, hey, part of the reason that we're seeing these challenges is because we have a long-term challenge of how do you cite facilities um, to deal with you know, very harmful materials and you know what's the long-term plan to kind of deal with aging infrastructure because we're kind of at an inflection point um, at both transfer stations, the point-of-sale system. These are all 30-year-old systems, and so they, they need a
0: refresh and a vision so that everybody knows where to put the resources. Um, you're being very positive right now, but you wrote this in the report. The weaknesses identified in this report indicate a lack of basic management practices and commitment to a long-term vision for Metro's part of the regional solid waste system. When I read that, and, I, and I've we've talked to a lot of auditors over the years, and that strikes me as about as close as, as auditors come to saying this is a complete mess. You 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 write in careful ways in general, but but that's a that seems like a pretty serious smackdown. I'm just I'm curious. If you've been doing this for a while as well. You've been a Metro auditor for nine years. Can you put this audit in perspective?
1: Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the, getting a chance to talk to that because uh, auditors are very careful with their word choice. And in this case, you know, um, really chose to kind of lean into some more of the um, eye opening examples and kind of tone around management culture. And because I think it's one of those things where um, once it starts to to. Once you, once you don't have those mechanisms to get feedback to kind of get it on the right course, it's very hard to get it back on the right course. And so I think that's really what the intent here is to say, hey, we think there's still good intent here. And now we need to see those actions and kind of that um, pace and that, that attention to detail to make sure that uh, the intent is matched with some words.
0: Brian Evans, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Brian Evans is Metro's auditor. Members make Think Out Loud and all of OPB's independent journalism possible. Support the next fascinating story and join in as a sustainer at opb.org pod.